This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, Jimmy out here in the Sports Better's Paradise talking more college football as we try and, you know, help kind of. Uh, break down the different uh, conferences team by team with a handicapping perspective, win total uh, opinions, and also just give you something to help your preparation uh, for the college football season in your own handicapping uh, as well. Not just straight out picks, but we like to give a lot of angles and information as well. Bruce Marshall from CBS Sports Line at VegasInsider.com. Paul Stone at Paul Stone Sports. If you're heading out to Vegas soon, he'll be at the Bet Bash, one of the panelists on the Bet Bash featured over at Circa's big event. So we give Paul a big, uh, a big uh, shout out there. And so let's get right to it, guys. And here we go. What's the sign of the times? And the American is never more of, uh, of that case, uh, an example of that, where three of the big dogs are gone from the American. Cincinnati, Central Florida, and Houston uh, going to the Big 12. Memphis lobbied hard but could not get in. Tulane, still a holdover, won the league last time uh, for the first time. Then, boy, it's just shades of Sean King and said, boy, seen at Yeoman Stadium. And not only do they win that, they miraculously win the Cotton Bowl. And then they hold on to Willie Fritz as well as Georgia Tech uh, came knocking ahead his door. And a lot of teams coming over from Conference USA. This was... They, they like to pride themselves on sort of the power six league, the American. That's not the case anymore. Uh, Bruce, overall thoughts of the American? Yeah, quite a change. It's like uh, this is the old Conference USA or it's the new Conference USA. I mean, most of these schools in here had been at Conference USA before. So transition, it's sort of like a, you know, a way station in college football teams, uh, schools trying to move up from the American uh, generally. And then you've got some of these schools coming in this year. What strikes me in the, in this league, you know, in a year, uh, you know, the coaching carousel always spins, but it has really spun in this league. You've got half of the coaches in this league are, are new. And uh, that's, uh, that's you know, four of the six, uh, the coaches are new from the schools that are transferring in from conference USA and uh, three others. So that's half this league has got new coaches. That is an awful lot of turnover there at the top. So we'll see how that plays out. Also, Tulane, a lot of magic last year with Tulane. And yeah, holding on to Willie Fritz uh, was the, the best deal of all in the offseason for Tulane. That might be a little bit of a hard act to follow. But Fritz is a serial winner, though. We know he's a big time coach. Uh, and just a little bit different look this year in the American with all those big names out to uh, the Big 12. And Memphis, the perennial bridesmaid. It's like Memphis would do anything to move up into one of the Power 5 leagues. Hasn't happened yet. Just hang in there, Memphis. You might get the call sooner or later, but uh, for the time being, they're still in the American. Uh, and, Paul, we'll start with that, uh, with the Tulane Greenies. Uh, that's something that you've talked about a lot uh, in the offseason, and, well, that win total is nine. That's the highest win total in this league, the defending champs. And, well, they lose their top two defenders. They lose a great running back in Spears who really carried them basically 200 yards of uh, the conference championship game and also the uh, the Cotton Bowl. Little bit of little bit of an asterisk, though, I will throw out there. Sorry, Tulane Greenies, but still um, Real funny business by Central Florida with uh, with a quarterback who elected not to participate in the conference championship game. And then uh, Reese Plumley was hurt. Uh, they decided not to play him. Then they put him in, and he was very effective, but it was kind of too little too late uh, for them. And then, my goodness, I mean, I, I don't know how you script that uh, that end of the Cotton Bowl. They kick off down to the one. They get the same. I mean, you know, it, it's, it was just too much. Uh, but but uh, Pratt is back. And he's a legit uh, dual-threat guy. And Willie Fritz is back. But they do lose a big chunk of leaders from that team last year. Their win total is at nine, Paul. 
Yeah, I mean, after everything went wrong in 2021 and they win uh, just two games, go two and 10 in 2021, they uh, end up winning the American uh, Athletic Conference. And then, as you mentioned, after trailing by 15 points against Southern Cal in the bowl game with less than five minutes to go, uh, they uh, staged that miraculous comeback to defeat the Trojans 46-45. So finished the year 12-2. and What a season for the Green Wave. Uh, but, you know, as I like to say sometimes, that was then and this is now, and there's obviously turnover on college football rosters. Uh, and, and you just look at it, and as you mentioned, they lose a lot of critical pieces, not only, you know, offensively, but defensively as well. As you mentioned, uh, they lose uh, primarily on offense. Ty J. Spears, you know, the production that he produced last year, uh, rushed for almost 1,600 yards last year. Uh, a tick under seven yards a carry accounted for 21 touchdowns. So that's just a, a ton of production there. And then defensively, they lose their top five tacklers. And you mentioned, uh, at least referenced, the two primary guys they lose, veteran guys, long-term guys, Dorian Williams and Nick Anderson. All those guys did in their career was combined for 599 tackles. So some of that production will be replaced but certainly not all of it. I see a couple of items as well that point to regression to the mean. Uh, last year, they averaged 34.8 points per game offensively against FBS opponents. That was 11 more points than they averaged in 2021. And then defensively, they gave up 23.9 points per game last year against FBS opponents. That was 11 and a half points fewer than they did in 2021. You know, as you would expect, but still, I think the uh, the proof's going to be somewhere uh, in the middle. I think they'll come back to the field a little bit in both categories. Uh, you mentioned the 12-0 team quarterbacked by Sean King back in 1998, beat BYU in the bowl game. Uh, Bruce could probably give us a play-by-play -play with his historical data bank uh, on that game. That was a great season for Tulane. But before before last year, after that 98 season, from 1999 through 2021, so 23 straight seasons, Tulane never won more than seven games in a regular season. The AAC is a little more watered down, a little less competitive, uh, but I think Tulane's a lot more likely to win eight games or fewer than 10 games or more. Uh, take Tulane to go under nine at even money there at Bet Rivers. Tulane, uh, back in 1998, did not play LSU on that undefeated team. Now, LSU was a, a, a to-be-had that year with one of the weaker teams from Jared DiNardo, his second last year before he uh, left uh, for, for Nick Saban to take over. Let's look at another team that, uh, well, Bruce, I mean, look at this. This is a holdover from the stronger American, and they have won seven straight games. Seven seven games or more for four streams four seasons now in uh, at SMU. Mordecai, the quarterback, is on his way to Wisconsin. Lashley in his second year, but here quietly SMU has been a consistent winner, and now the league is lighter. Their their win total is at eight. Yeah, it it is, and uh, uh, Mordecai, as we've uh, talked, is up at uh, up at Wisconsin now. So uh, they lose their quarterback. Although down in Dallas, there they don't seem to think that's going to be that big a deal if Preston Stone is as good as they have as good as advertised. We saw a little bit of him last year, but very highly regarded prep five star prep coming in there. So. Rhett Lashley thinks he's going to be able to uh, to keep this offense uh, humming, and they did score a lot of points last year. They probably should have been better than seven and six when you look back at it. And the problem they had though was on defense. They had some real collapses there. They allowed seventy seven points to Houston in that basketball score against the Cougars, um, and they also had some problems uh, other games against uh, USF, and also got blown out again. So it's uh, I'm. Lashley, I think, turned out to be a, a decent replacement for Sonny Dykes, although we can't, uh, to replicate what Dykes did at TCU across the Metroplex would be uh, pretty tough. Uh, but it's the defense that gives me some concern there. And it, I know I like to talk about pace of games and things, and last year there were a lot of points scored in, uh, in SMU games, but there just wasn't a lot of good fundamentals done there on defense. And uh, Scott Simons, the coordinator, second year, he's got to get this thing right this year or i think uh, i mean his job could be in jeopardy if they don't 
ascend like they expect in Dallas. Now, they did mine the portal pretty well, and they think they found some upgrades on defense. Uh, Woods comes in from West Virginia on the corner, McGill from Stanford at the safety. A couple of guys coming in from Miami on the defensive front, Jordan Miller and Elijah Roberts. In fact, there's more than a couple transfers coming in here from Miami. So they left that sinking ship there for Mario Cristobal and came in. Bottom line is it looks like they have gone out in the portal. They've tried to address some of these things, but I need a little bit more evidence that this defense is is better. And, you know, uh, that, that's going to be the key for them. And you're still asking a lot of Preston Stone coming in. I know he's highly regarded, but Mordecai was a very productive quarterback. So I'm not sure there's going to be a little bit of a drop off there, and like I said, they they should have uh, they should have been better than seven and six last year with the look at the stats and everything. So I think they they're going to have trouble getting over that number, and um, I'm not that bullish on SMU. So I am I'm uh, looking a bit the other way to go under on the ponies at that number. All right, uh, Paul. Anything you want to add on to SMU? Not one of your four picks in the uh, with the twin totals today. Before we get to Texas San Antonio, one that you do have an opinion on. Yeah, on SMU. You know, I think it's fair to say that the jury's still out on Rhett Lashley whether he'll be able to make that transition from offensive coordinator to to the head man in charge. Uh, I agree with uh, Bruce's assessment that Tanner Mordecai going to Wisconsin. Uh, they are very bullish on Preston Stone. He was a big-time recruit and a big-time get for uh, for SMU, and he's a physically impressive guy. He can run the football a little bit. So it's not a stretch to say that play at that position might be elevated. Uh, but like Bruce, you know, they've got other losses on, on offense. Uh, Rasheed Rice, he had more than 3,000 career receiving yards there at SMU. He was a second-round pick. He's gone. And uh, he, he mentioned the, the main issue, the defense. They've got to get better on defense. Uh, so certainly uh, I cannot uh, quarrel with, with Bruce's position of uh, taking the ponies under. I think we're going to find a lot uh, out about SMU and Stone in September when they travel to both Oklahoma and TCU. And yeah, Oklahoma and TCU on the yep. road in September. All right, let's get to Paul uh, on one of your next picks in the back-to-back Conference USA champs. And, well, got a little bit experience at quarterback. Lefty Frankie Harris, he is coming back for number seven. Year number seven, his seventh year. Jeff Trailer, 22-2 and two in conference games uh, in San Antonio, taking over for uh, Frank Wilson. Talking about Harris, 74 passing touchdowns, 24 more with his legs. Their win total is at eight, Paul. You know, obviously they're moving from Conference USA uh, to, you know, the reshaped American Athletic Conference. They'll face a slightly higher level of competition. Uh, plus in 2023, you know, they've got a testy four-game non-conference schedule. They've got trips to Houston and Tennessee and then play home games against Texas State and Army. Uh, you know, so that's uh, that's pretty testy non-conference. The only real, you know, sure victory is going to be the game against Texas State. But in what I believe to be a wide-open league, I think there's many as, as five teams really that uh, could challenge for, for league supremacy. I really like Texas San Antonio and their rising uh, fourth-year uh, head coach, uh, Jeff Trailer. You know, first on offense, you mentioned uh, seventh-year Senior quarterback Frank Harris, he's older than uh, several starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, Harris has thrown for more than 9,300 yards in his uh, career there in San Antonio, rushed for another 1,800. They've also got a talented running back back in uh, sophomore running back Kavorian Barnes. Uh, he rushed for 845 yards last year, only started two games. He had five 100-yard games, though, in his last eight games of the season – Average 6.3 yards per carry, so they're in good hands there at running back. Wide receiver, you know, a, a couple of months ago, a few months ago, it really looked to be a, a position of immense strength. And then Zachary Franklin, after spring practice, enters the portal, transfers to Ole Miss. So that's a big loss. That's a guy who was off back-to-back 1,000-yard receiving seasons. And another concern in the wide receiver room is now the health of Deco- uh, DeCorian Clark. Uh, He was uh, injured, if you might remember, I think in week eight last year, early November against UAB, right tear of the ACL, right knee. And he's not released yet for full contact. It sounds really iffy. He's certainly going to play, it sounds like, and going to play fairly early in the season. 
but sounds iffy for the opener at Houston that's a key opener in this regular season win total. So they need to get him back. On defense, they got to uh, replace a pair of all-conference performers in in the secondary. But other than that, they mostly return intact on defense. But back to their schedule, let's say they split. Uh, The Houston game's obviously critical. But if they go two and two, and I think three and one's a fair possibility, but they go two and two, they're going to be favored, I think, in their first seven conference games. When they play Tulane at Tulane, on Thanksgiving weekend, I project them right now to be about a five-point underdog. So I really think eight wins is their floor, so to speak. I think nine wins is more like it. So I like uh, Texas San Antonio over eight at minus 103 there at Bet Rivers. And one other quick point, in their last eight games as a single-digit underdog dating back to late in the pandemic season of 2020, so their last eight games as a single-digit dog, they're not only 7-1 and one against the spread in those games, they've won those seven games outright. So something to keep in mind when looking at uh, Texas San Antonio this year. Uh, yes, and it, you know you just wonder that uh, Trailer and Harris may be a dual entry to uh, for their final season in San Antonio. Now, they San Antonio is the biggest city that only has one uh, professional team, uh, just, just one. So this is kind of they've adopted this team and they wanted to kind of, you know, make maybe get some uh, community support behind them. But still, uh, this thing looks like it's got the handwriting on the wall. He's setting this up for a move to a bigger job. Well, I don't know about that. And, and the reason I say that, I talked to some guys at CBS last year when I saw him down at the ACC in Charlotte. We actually talked about UTSA trailer, I think, wants to stay there. Um, he, he told his agent uh, back in late t- 2021, get me a long-term deal here. And he said his agent was fighting him. No, 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 I'm not sure you want that. And he said, I want to stay here. So I'm not sure he's going to leave. I think he's one of these guys who knows that I got a great deal here. I'm in a great city. I got a, ch- I got a great stadium. I'm going to have the best team in the league. I'm not sure he's going to leave. I think he knows a good thing and a program. Like you say, Jimmy and Paul, on the ascent, stay tuned. No doubt there's more resistance there or more of a chance because of the things we both talked about, Bruce. But usually they go. So we will see. We will see if uh, Texas. Not always. Goes. Not always. Once Side in a while bet, they Bruce. Don't. Side bet. <laughs> okay. You got it. They, uh, they, they, they usually uh, do head out for the bigger one. You know, sometimes they found their way back. Uh, to the, uh, the the mid majors later on. All right, let's uh, uh, let's go to uh, one of yours, uh, Bruce. Florida Atlantic. Tom Herman. You remember a guy that kind of maneuvered and positioned himself at a uh, a former American League uh, school, Houston, and then uh, went to Texas. And boy, that thing that thing didn't work out so well. And I got rid of. He takes over for Willie Taggart. Uh, Eighteen starters return. The cupboard is not bare. In Booker Tone. Yeah, I challenge that it didn't work out that well at Texas. First of all, the... Uh, uh, yeah, I thought they it, were impatient too. Yeah. I, I know, but they, they went... Listen, 2020 and all the vagaries associated with the pandemic season, they lost a couple of games there. I would hate to dismiss a guy just because he lost it uh, in 2020. I, I maintain that's one of the only places in the country. Paul can attest to this, that would have pushed a guy out right then. And... Um, there's some people that I know around there too. And what I had heard, they didn't, a lot of Texas people didn't work behind that change from Herman or Sarkeesian after his second year there, you know, they had already gotten to the sugar bowl and they had beaten Georgia. They beat Kirby smart after his second year in, in the, um, uh, at Texas and then flattened out a little bit. They won all their bowl games too. He's 54 and 22. Don't forget what he did at Houston before that too. Uh, so no, I maintained, He's a better coach than Sarkeesian. And I think this, to me, looks sort of like the Lane Kiffin hire at Florida Atlantic, uh, rehabbing a guy's career, and uh, Kiffin really needed it. I'm not sure this guy needed that much. He picked his spot. This is a spot where you can win, I think, and then move up. He proved very adroit in in the offseason there, you know, the portal. They were wondering about, you know, who's going to play quarterback at, at FAU. So he went out. Now, uh, Daniel Richardson comes in from Central Michigan, where he's a very productive quarterback. But then, well, late uh, in the spring, uh, here comes Casey Thompson from Nebraska showing up now. So now, all of a sudden, that is a position of strength that looks like going into the season, or at least some real experience. 
uh, in Boca Raton. By the way, a really nice school with a really nice new stadium in a very attractive area. So everything is lined up there pretty good. Uh, defensively, eight of their nine top tacklers returned. The entire secondary is back. Rock Bellatonian is his new coordinator, who's been around the track several times, has some experience there. So there's a lot of pieces back uh, in the fold there on, on defense for them, too. And remember, like I said, how well, um, you know, Houston did right away. And they were when uh, when uh, Tom Herman got there and uh, Texas also had a quick upgrade, a little concerned about that schedule. And that's a little dicey schedule after Monmouth and Ohio, one of the better teams in the Mac comes in. And then uh, you've got those those road games, Clemson and Illinois. You know, that's pretty tough off, uh, you know, off the bat. So they could come out. Two and two, I think they'd be happy with that. By the way, uh, McCammon, they've got a thousand yard rusher coming back as well. But I look at their uh, at the uh, at the American schedule there. I I pegged them at eight or maybe nine wins. I really think this is going to resonate with Herman, and I think this is a long shot team to win the league. Uh, I think they've got a chance, and to get them in the championship game, uh, I think there's a chance Florida Atlantic at that price to win the league is a really good price, and also to go over as well. I'm bullish on Tom Herman. I have always been bullish on him. I think he will do just what Lane Kiffin did here a few years ago. Won immediately. And a little tougher league than Conference USA when Kiffin did it. But I think the pieces are in place. And I love the fact uh, he was really pointed in the portal to get the help that he needed. And I think they're set up for a nice, nice uh, recovery. Paul, any, Paul, any thoughts on uh, Florida Atlantic and Tom Herman? You know, I concur again uh, with Bruce uh, with, with basically all of what he says. I mean, th there seems to be parallels between this situation in Boca Raton and Houston. You know, Texas just didn't work out for him. I mean, he would be uh, – and it's questionable whether he should have been let go, but there were certainly some people that wanted to see him out. You know, he came in a little bit too headstrong. His wife was sparring with the media and stuff like that. you got to be able to handle the media at the University of Texas – and he maybe didn't do the best job of doing that part of the job. I think he's older and wiser now, and I think this is a better fit for him. Uh, I heard him on satellite radio a couple of weeks ago, and I, I think his the coach's office is just a mile or two from his from his house, and he skateboards, I think, or rides a scooter to work and wears shorts and flip-flops, and he just seems to be really comfortable. And again, at Houston, uh, the parallels are there, and the, and the the upsets that they pulled. I mean, one you know they beat Florida State as a double-digit dog in the bowl game, and then the opener of the next year they beat Oklahoma uh, as a double-digit dog. So this just seems to be right up Tom Herman's alley. They've got one of the most experienced teams in the country, and now they've got a starting quarterback, and I think he will be the starting quarterback in Casey Thompson, who started 20 games at the Power Five level. They don't really have any. Uh, you know, glaring weaknesses uh, at first glance. And to me, Florida Atlantic is one of the most intriguing teams in the entire uh, college football uh, world in 2023. It's going to be quite a watch. In one of the games that Bruce mentioned, the home game against Ohio, I think that's kind of a defining game. A lot of people, except guys like us, might not be watching it that closely, but they need to win there, win that home game to keep the season uh, on the right trajectory. So going to be really interesting to watch Tom Herman there at Florida Atlantic. Yeah. All right, we Tom continue. Is, Neither of you a, have a, a strong – Very good. I'm sorry, Bruce. Yeah. Tom Herman is a dog. Remember that. He'll have he'll have a couple chances in those road games. Non mm -hmm. Very good record. Houston right. Texas is under. Okay, moving along here. Uh, Memphis now, boy, it seems like off on the field and off the field, maybe the stub. We talked about they did everything they could to try to get into the Big 12. For seven straight seasons, they won either eight, nine, or ten games until the last two, six and six and seven and six. And so their win total is seven and a half. They they lose a lot, but uh, Hennigan, their quarterback who threw for two eighty a game, is back. They're fifty one and ten at the Liberty Bowl. Their last sixty one. Uh, boy, it's a, what what more could they do uh, to try and show the Big Twelve that they were worthy? But they don't get in. Paul, any opinion on uh, Memphis? Not a strong opinion, except I'm not really sold, and I'm, this is, again, not some great epiphany, but I'm not really sold on Ryan Silverfield as a head coach to this point. Uh, he was promoted to head coach in late 2019 after Mike Norvell uh, left to take the Florida State job. But Memphis, in a, uh, American Athletic Conference play the last three years under uh, Silverfield, they're only 11-13 and 13 in the AAC outright. 
uh, and looking at Silverfield, as we often do from a betting perspective, he's only 7-17 and against the spread as the betting favorite the last three years. And the Tigers, they're going to be traveling to Arkansas State in week two. They host Navy the following week. They'll be favorites in both. All right, uh, Bruce, uh, moving on uh, to Navy, one of uh, – I'm sorry, that's uh, both of both of your picks. we got split opinions on this one. Okay, so here we go. Navy after winning 10 of 12 seasons. That's right. Uh, and then three straight losing and a heartbreaker, too, to Army. I mean, how do they lose that one? And then they fire him in the locker room. Ken uh, Neomatololo uh, surprised me uh, when they let him go, but – you know, after you give them a taste of winning for a little bit, even in Annapolis, uh, they can uh, make a move. Brian Newberry takes over. He says he's keeping the option, but adding some passing principles. The win total is at six and a half. First you, Paul. First you, Bruce. Yeah. By the way, Memphis, I heard uh, they're offered to throw in Graceland uh, to the Big 12 if uh, they could accept them. And <laughs> Fred Smith was going to give them uh, two of those big uh, FedEx jets too, but uh, still no takers for Memphis. So uh, we'll see. Navy, I quite agree with the Neomatololo dismissal. I was very mad at Chet Gladchuk, uh, the AD. I thought he made some really tasteless comments um, below the belt about uh, Neomatololo and where the program was. And the way he got rid of Neomatololo effectively in the, in the locker room after the Army game, Neomatololo was sort of telling, look, stay, don't even pay me the last year. You've paid me enough already. Let me just get this thing back because they were not that far away last year. So uh, bad on, on Chet Gladchuk for the way he moved uh, Neomatololo out. However, if Navy was going to make a change, uh, Brian Newberry, I think, is, is the guy to come in now. The option thing, this is interesting because there were some rule changes last year. And so they're not, uh, even Army, Army's going away from the triple this year. Army's going to play more of a spread option. They're not doing what they used to do, and neither is Navy, although they say it's going to be uh, still run-oriented. And Grant Chestnut, their coordinator, uh, who was actually, he worked with uh, Newberry at, at Kennesaw State, and they ran a very, very progressive version. I like the spread option, but they were a great rushing team at the FCS level. So they'll have more of that look how Kennesaw State had it for a couple of years. So a little more progressive. Uh, Navy, I mean, listen, for back to Paul Johnson's years, every year they're going to throw the ball better, and they never did. But they were very close last year. Um Let's see what happens at quarterback. Both their quarterbacks in the spring didn't play, but for different reasons. One was playing lacrosse, one was playing, one was hurt. So uh, our line and Lavatai uh, Gleaton uh, has come in, and they think he actually he, he was running the offense in spring, and he's a better thrower. Uh, so they think he actually might get the call there. But I don't look for that to change too much. What I like about Navy though is Newberry's defense extremely good and uh, they've got a lot of guys back and they have ranked very highly in, in recent years and they really swarm and it hasn't been because of defense that they've that they uh, they haven't gotten over the hump but they've been close lost a lot of close games last year in general over the Neomatololo there's when they had a real good quarterback like Malcolm Perry in 2019 this thing really hummed the quarterback play hasn't been quite there the last couple of years but actually I think this little tweak the fact the schedule, you know, isn't, uh, I think it's something they can handle. Though I will mention this, they've got Notre Dame in the opener at Dublin. And that's one thing Chet Gladchuk's got to remember, that Navy is a little different than Army. Uh, Army's been able to pick its schedule here because they haven't been in a conference. Navy's had a competitive conference, both Commander-in-Chief games and Notre Dame every year. And then uh, they throw in one uh, FCS team if they can. That They lost that one last year to Delaware, and I think that hurt uh coach Ken much but I think Newberry gets this thing somewhat turned around and there's still an awkward matchup and even with the changes in what they're doing with the option it's still going to be a tough matchup I think they can get back to a bowl this year so I think they're going to clear six and a half all right Paul uh you uh you you, you take the the other side with the transition here yeah I mean first of all I mean I hate to go up against Bruce Marshall man and oppose him it's like fighting Mike Tyson in his prime <laughs> being on the opposite side of Bruce but uh you know, changes in the air, obviously, with the coaching change. Uh, defensive coordinator Brian Newberry uh, now at the helm. You know, since they won 11 games back in 2019 behind uh, the dynamic Malcolm Perry, uh, the midshipmen went 3-7 and seven in the pandemic season of 2020. Uh, they went uh, only won four games each of the past two seasons. 
And during this recent downturn, obviously the problem has been offense. And I know they're making that changeover and they're talking about throwing the ball more. And it's kind of like basketball. I hear every year coaches tell me we're really going to run it this year. And nobody ever runs it, you know. And the same thing sometimes when teams uh, talk about throwing the ball more. Uh, I remember when I was covering high school football uh, in, in East Texas here where I live, a coach told me one time about, you know, people criticized him. It, and I was covering Tyler John, John Tyler, which is one of the great uh, high school football factories in the nation. And uh, Coach uh, Alan Wilson told me, you know, people always want me to throw the ball more. So we don't have any more – we don't have any problems throwing it. We have trouble blocking it and catching it. So there's more, you know. The, the passing game requires more uh, more timing and uh, things like that and more training. So we'll see how that goes. But on offense, they scored from 2013 through 2019 when they were rolling. Those seven seasons, they averaged 30 points or more six of those seven seasons. Then looking at these last three years, only 16.6 per game uh, in 2020, 20.1 points per game in 2021, and only 21.9 last year. And during the last three seasons, they just hadn't run the ball uh, like Navy historically has. Total offense, they've only averaged 295 yards per game the last three seasons. And the quarterback has been virtually a non-factor in the running game. We've talked about that 2019 season, and that's a tough standard. But Malcolm Perry that year rushed for 2,017 yards, 21 touchdowns, averaged almost seven yards a carry. In each of the last three games, three years, excuse me, Navy's not had a quarterback rush for more than 376 yards in any of the past three seasons. None of their quarterbacks have averaged even four yards a carry. So they have really struggled. That quarterback has to run the football in the Navy offense. In my mind, it just hasn't uh, it hasn't happened, and I don't see it happening again. One concern from my position of taking the under is they got a lot of experience back, and their defense was really pretty good last year. They got 17 starters back, going to be quite sturdy uh, again on defense. The schedule also gets easier. The uh, reshaped American Athletic Conference, uh, not nearly as competitive as last year with the changes. Their schedule last year ranked 48th nationally, only 96th this year. So that's a little bit of a concern. But my main concern uh, is the offense and the the schedule in the non-conference, Notre Dame, Air Force, and Army, pretty tough. I just think uh, it's tough to see this midshipman team getting to seven wins. So I recommend under uh, six and a half wins at minus 125 there at Bet Rivers. Yeah, you mentioned Malcolm Perry and Keenan Reynolds was, you know, another uh, you know, dynamic quarterback, you know, during that stretch. And they just don't have anybody, you know, like no. that of uh, the last but, couple of years. And the one the one kid's been in and out of the injuries and he just hasn't been uh, those two they, guys. They should, uh, real quick, Bruce, before we move on. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they shouldn't have played at all in twenty twenty. Uh really with, with the restrictions. I remember the they first game where they didn't there. practice tackling they you practice, know, against and BYU. They, they, they should have not played that entire season. I think that was – they really – and that got Niamatolo in trouble with Gladchuk because he complained, and then Gladchuk didn't like it. So, it got started going really bad right then. Okay. Uh, no no pick on this team, but, I, you know, we have to talk about them a little bit. And that is, you know, we talk about these quick fixes. And then we uh, – you know, I kind of respect more of the, you know, do it the more sound way and gradually doing it. East Carolina has a little bit of a rebuilding uh, process going right now. How about uh, this? Since uh, Mike Houston's taking over four and eight, three and six, seven and five, and eight and five. Neither of you have an opinion on their win total at five, but you know, quietly doing a doing a very solid job in Greenville. Yeah, I sort of. I'm if I had to push him to shove, I might actually look over, and it's just because of Houston there. And I know they, they miss Holton Aylers at quarterback, and he did a lot, and he's in the Seahawks camp this summer. Eight and five last year. They should have been better than that, though. That This team should have won 10 games last year. And that opener against North Carolina State, the kicker missed the extra oh, point, yeah. would have tied the game, they missed the field goal, and it was rough. They had a couple losses in there they should have uh, they should have won. But it's because of Houston, like you said. He knows what he's doing. He's a serial winner. He won before he came here. Uh, James Madison, he's winning. Uh, he's starting to win here. So getting to 500 in this league, I think is possible. I don't think it's a feature pick, but if I had to do something with these guys, I might respect Houston. Mason Garcia, they like him. Big kid at quarterback, big strong arm. They think he might be okay and uh, fill in for Ayler. So a little bit, I like them, but not, not that much. 
Speaking of uh, really good jobs in the uh, in the American or Conference USA, now the new American, uh, talking about East Carolina. But one that's gone, though, is uh, Bill Clark. What a, I mean, that's a miracle job in Birmingham uh, at UAB. I mean, he goes 8-5, 11-3, 9-5, 6-3, 9-4. Rebuilt from scratch. They didn't have a team for a couple of years before he took over. But he um, he stepped down last summer, and they went to seven and six. You want to talk about look? They lost five one score games. Paul, the uh, the Blazers did last year. Their win total was at four and a half. Yeah, I mean they're a lot like uh, East Carolina in my mind, and that they uh, you know their their program is really rebuilding. They've been ravaged by personnel losses. Uh, East Carolina and UAB, two of the most inexperienced teams in all of college football. They got criticized for their out-of-the-box the coaching hire of Trent Dilfer. But, I, you know, UAB is going to have to – if you do what everybody else does at UAB, especially in the changing world of college right. football, you know, you're going to get left behind. So they hire a guy who's the former head coach of the Elite 11 passing camp who probably knows a thing or two about getting to the NFL – and he's not going to play this year, but they've got a four-star quarterback already committed in the class of 2024, and that's what they that's what they hired him for. You know, it's not about you've heard. You know, it's not about X's and O's. It's about Jimmy and Joe's. So they're going to try to get some somebody to play quarterback, that centerpiece, and get some receivers. I think it's going to take some time. Uh, this year's you know probably going to be a tough go for Trent Dilfer, but it's going to be interesting. His only previous head coaching experience, obviously, at the high school level before this season in Birmingham, but it'll be an interesting watch. Now, Paul, why would you make a case at a place like University of Alabama, Birmingham, would need an angle when their flagship shares so much when a guy like Nick Saban is at a, 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 the, the big serial. He's, he's sharing so much with them down in Birmingham. So I don't think it's coincidental that during his tenure there, they uh, went dormant uh, for a little bit. Uh, but uh, little Nicky, man, he wants it all. Uh, all right. Uh, but uh, but uh, I'm sorry, Bruce, you, you think that this thing is on the slide a little bit. Uh, you like the under four and a half with UAB here. I, I do. And, and Paul might be right down downstream here because they, they needed to shake it up a little bit, do something uh, different. Um, and he's the recruiting, you can see it maybe picking up down the road. But uh, I mean, the last time they went, Bill Clark had succeeded before he came in as a, as a college head coach, lower level, but the college head coach. Dilfer's had a couple of years as a coach period and the elite 11 you know, that's elite 11. I'm not, that, that had part of it to do too, but as a coach, a couple of years, uh, I was up in Nashville um, and at Lipscomb Academy. Now they won and they ended up winning a state championship. There are nine levels of state of high school football in Tennessee. I believe this was like the eighth. Uh, so they were down lower. They're, they're not playing the big boys. Um, they're not playing Montgomery bell Academy and those that, that so it was a much lower level that he won. He's also brought in his defensive coordinator from Lipscomb Academy. So you've got two guys who were used to coaching at a very low level of Tennessee high school football, and you throw them into a competitive conference right off the bat. I'm sorry. I need to see a little bit more proof of concept from these guys. I think this is a real, this is the biggest roll of the dice for this year, at least, of any coaching hire in the country. It might work. Uh, this is this is on the level of more than hiring Dion, I think, at Colorado. This is a real roll of the dice, and I'm, I, prove it. I'm going to look under for UAB. All right, uh, Paul, let's get to your uh, last pick. And you want to talk about coaching situations. Um, this one sounds like to me, you correct me if I'm wrong, because this is your neck of the woods, Paul. But Seth Littrell, Littrell, Littrell well, um, at North Texas, went to six bowl games in seven years and was fired. Uh the administration says, we're tired of winning. We want to be entertained. Let's bring in the air raid offense from Incarnate Word here and throw it all around. So uh, the cupboard seems bare also for this major transformation, not uh, just from top to bottom, stylistically, because staff, what, what, did, what, what are the people in Denton looking for when he went to six bowl games in seven years, Paul? Yeah, obviously, a few years ago, Seth Luttrell's uh, is uh, you know coaching uh, uh, attractiveness was pretty high. You know, he probably had some options. He was being mentioned in connection with some bigger jobs, but uh, you know, maybe looking back, uh, if he knew then what he knows now, maybe he would have got out of Denton. But you know, they they played last year in the the Conference USA 
championship game, get defeated by Texas San Antonio 48-27. He's fired two days later. And as you mentioned, in steps a 37-year-old Eric Morris, who you might uh, recall played receiver at Texas Tech under the late Mike Leach in the mid-2000s. He gained his coaching stripes, as you said, at FCS Incarnate Word. Uh, They averaged almost 40 points a game back in 2021. And then last year, he was the offensive coordinator uh, at Washington State. So if uh, the connection there, too, if anybody wonders why Cameron Ward from the greater Houston area is at Washington State, it's because he followed uh, Morris there to Pullman. You know, first of all, the main green obviously going to be um, implementing new offensive and defensive schemes. They've got a new coaching staff. Got a couple of contenders for that critical quarterback position. Uh, got Louisiana Monroe uh, transfer Chandler Rogers, who brings a little bit of a running dimension. Holdover Jace Rudder, who's played a little bit of quarterback there in Denton. But I'm not convinced either is really an ideal fit for uh, Morris's system. Like a lot of group of five schools, this is kind of a, a recurring theme. They suffered a lot of personnel losses through the portal. You know, these teams just lose their, their best players, frankly. They lost uh, Larry Nixon Jr., uh, linebacker, their top defensive player in an all-conference selection to Auburn. Then they lost their big play receiver, Jair Shorter, who averaged over 27 yards a catch last year. They lose him also to Auburn. So, they, you know, they lose some key people there. The non-conference schedule, you know, fairly manageable. They host Cal and FCS Abilene Christian. They travel to Florida International and the Louisiana Tech. So not really a difficult non-conference schedule, to say the least. But even if they win three of four in non-conference, I don't have them favored in more than three conference games max. I think Eric Morris, I think he's an up-and-coming coach. I'm really anxious to see what he can do. I think one day he might ascend to a Power 5 head coaching job. But I just think the Mean Green this year, I think in year one, they're going to struggle uh, to finish at 500. So uh, take North Texas there at Bet Rivers under six at plus money, actually, at plus 110 to go under six wins. Mean Green under in the <clears throat> the first year uh, of their uh, new coaching staff after a really successful run. Bruce, you're looking at one at, um, at, at an over. Let's go down to Houston, Texas and the Rice Owls in uh, Mike Bloomgren's uh, Stanford-esque multi-tight-end system is kind of uh, a slow progression, but getting a little bit more competitive every season over there. They've got the quarterback back and 15 starters after their best season. Five and seven, their academics got them to, into a bowl game, which made it five and eight, but a more than respectable five and seven regular season. Yeah, and Bo- uh, Bloomgren, two, three, Four, five wins. By the end of the decade, they might be in the playoff. By that, uh, by that, uh, <laughs> that keeps easy. Going. Tommy Kramer, it, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, easy. Interesting. He lasted longer at Rice than his mentor David Shaw because he came over from Stanford. And uh, this shows you now his new quarterback, J.T. Daniels, who I've joked. There's another guy, sixth year. If he gets another, he may end up at Sacramento State next year because he's gone USC, Georgia, West Virginia, Rice. If he can squeeze another year next year, who knows? He might end up in the big sky. But he is a legitimate college quarterback, 45 touchdown passes in his career. And uh, he gives Bloomgren something that I think he hasn't had there. Very erratic quarterbacking last year. They, they threw 20 interceptions his quarterbacks last year, and he's been shuffling guys in and out. Um, so now you've at least got a legitimate college quarterback in there who can, can wing it a little bit and they have made, you know, slow, but steady progress. So I think that's going to help out rice quite a bit, just getting that thing uh, settled, settled there. Uh, and interestingly, Bloomgren uh, shows you how long ago Daniels was a high school player. Bloomgren recruited him when he was at Stanford. So, I mean, the, the, the connection there goes back a long way, but it was back when Bloomer was at Stanford when he was recruiting him. But they have gotten better each, each year, um, and I think they can make this move up. Last year, this would have been a little bit tougher for, uh, for Rice coming into conference, uh, leaving Conference USA into the American, but with the American now, all the old teams that they used to play, the fact Bloomgren has been there and he's uh, faced some of these CUSA teams before, now up in the American, I think they're going to be okay and continue this progression. You mentioned the defense is not big. It's never big at Rice. And no matter who's been there, whether it's been Kenny Hatfield, whether it's been Bailiff, 
They've always had some trouble on the defensive side. So I don't expect them to be a shutdown defense. They just have to kind of get in your way and slow you down a little bit. And I think they've got enough returnees there to do that. Daniels, I think, upgrades them a lo- enough on offense where they can probably get back to five wins, maybe six. And they get to five, take their chances with the uh, with the uh, academic, the APR, and maybe they get a bowl bit if they don't have enough teams getting to six wins elsewhere. So uh, Bloomgren, I think, has got this thing slowly but surely. And and this year, is for them, it's an okay year to make the transition, especially if the upgraded quarterback is what I think. Five is good enough uh, to get the win total uh, over four and a half uh, shaded to the un- over at minus 121 uh, at Bet Rivers right now. Um, Bruce has one more pick before we get to that. Paul uh, Temple of uh, three and nine in head coach Dan Drayton's first year. Improved roster, but still a long way to go uh, in Philadelphia. Tulsa, Kevin Wilson takes over a five and seven team. Then, boy, it, would, it, it all started. It was kind of uh, optimistic, but David Spring got hurt in that game in Oxford against Ole Miss and was never the same uh, after that. Their win total is four and a half. South Florida down in Tampa, what has happened to them? Jeff Scott, four and 26. He is gone after a rough, rough go. They bring in uh, the uh, Alex Grinesh from uh, from Tennessee. Only four starters return down in Tampa. Uh, Temple, Tulsa, South Florida, uh, some, some quick hits on those, Paul. Yeah, they've only, first of all, Temple, they've only won a, a total of seven games the last three years. But last year they had uh, f- four losses of seven points or fewer. So they were close last year. And I think there's a little bit of a reason for optimism there. Quarterback uh, E.J. Warner, the son of Kurt Warner, he played pretty well. He threw for over 3,000 yards last year as a true freshman. So, you know, I like uh, Temple's uh, prospects for at least improving this year. And then talking about Tulsa, yet another team in this conference with a new head coach, uh, former uh, head coach in Indiana, Kevin Wilson. So uh, he's going to, you know, he's got an offensive pedigree. Uh, He spent the last six seasons at Ohio State. And I know he's excited about his uh, quarterback, Braylon Braxton, who's an athletic guy. So Tulsa's got a long way to go. And again, they're another kind of a theme. UAB, East Carolina, and Tulsa, really inexperienced teams. So Tulsa's in that category as well. And you talked about it, another team with a new coach, South Florida. Uh, I like the fact they've got two athletic guys, two options at quarterback in Byron Brown and likely starter Jerry Bohannon if he's healthy. Uh, both, both of those guys started games last year, but they got to get better on defensive uh, their, uh, defense there at South Florida. Uh, they've given up an average the last three seasons of 40 points, essentially 40 points in two of those seasons and 35 in the other. So if they don't start playing a little defense, uh, their woes will continue there uh, at South Florida. And uh, the, your last pick, another first-year coach. And uh, I, I, will, I will read between the lines. I will predict, Bruce, that you were not the big fan of letting go of Will Healy. Uh, as well over in Charlotte. Their win total is just three and a half, and you you think it may be worse than that. Yeah, and, uh, th- you know, Healy, that thing sort of stalled. He got his first team to a bowl game, and they, they did sort of stall in recent years, so I sort of saw that. But, yeah, I would have given him another year maybe to turn that thing around. This is not a powerhouse program. They play in a smaller stadium. It's kind of nice, only 15,000 seats. But this one, I think, qualifies in that in that Dion Trent Dilfer school of rolling your dice with a head coach. Biff Pogge comes in. Uh, this guy's got an interesting background, though. He's a, uh, in, a a wealthy man, a hedge fund manager in his in the past. So he's got plenty of money, and that helped him fund a, a high school program in Maryland, St. Francis, where he coached and won big. But he was awarding scholarships. He had better players. He won at his other high school job in Maryland as well. So he's a big winner in high school. And then he moved to Michigan where he was the right-hand man to Jim Harbaugh the last couple of years. And uh, obviously Michigan turned some things around the last couple of years. Now here's the difference where Pogi has been in the past. He's had better players than the opposition everywhere. He's been, it is completely flipped this year. Uh, Charlotte does not have better players. They're making a move up this year, not because they've done anything in conference USA. It's because where they're located in the queen city, things are happening in Charlotte it is, it is a happening place, but they really haven't done anything on the field to warrant a step up. It's just because where the school is located, Chris Reynolds, their quarterback who'd been taking snaps the last few years is gone. So you've got a couple of attorneys who took very few snaps 
who look like they're competing for the job. They've got a freshman, Carson Black, who they think eventually might work his way into the job, but he's probably not ready yet. Pogey wants to run in a Harbaugh sort of offense. He'd like to run a power running game if he can. And they have hit the portal very hard. 15 ads from the portal. I think he's got five guys from Michigan coming in. So he's obviously not sitting on the roster he inherited there. And there's a lot of outflow as well after Healy left. So he's counting on a lot of portal guys coming in. But there's no experience there at quarterback. This is a big step up for a guy, like I said, who now is going to be coaching against teams with better players. He's never done that before. It's always been the opposite way. Charlotte, I think, is going to have a very tough time getting to four wins, even if they can pick up a couple early there. Uh, they're going to be an underdog almost all the way in this league. And uh, I think this is going to be an adjustment phase, just like it is for Trent Dilford at UAB and probably an under for the 49ers. All right. So, Bruce, with the under three and a half on Charlotte. Paul, you anything you want to add to Charlotte? You know, at least – Biff Pogey has some fire to him. You know, he got really upset, as you guys probably saw at the uh, the AAC media days when the media just asked him a collective three questions. He said, three questions, that's all you got? Said it a lot more. Uh, he was a lot more uh, teed off at it than that. So at least he's got some fire. You know, he's trying to wake these guys up and say nobody respects us. But like uh, Bruce, man, they just don't have the horses right now. It's going to be a, a tough go. Uh, you know, it's going to be a great conference. I think there's a lot of balance. There's no clear-cut favorite. Could be an underdog league this year. I'll, I'll add that. And another thing, just real quickly, on JT Daniels, I watched him play as a true freshman in September of 2018 uh, for the USC Trojans at Austin against the University of Texas in week three. So he's been playing a long time. He's played a lot of <laughs> a lot of football. Yeah, he, he has. And they changed the offense for him. I mean, they were gonna uh they were gonna go to the the air raid offense. Uh was that the Graham Harrell? Was that the offense coordinator that year, Paul? Is that right, uh, that Bruce? Sounds right. Yep. Yeah. 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 So, that sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's when yep. USC would still kind of searching for answers in, in some direction. Now they got Lincoln Riley. They just need to add a little physicality to the defense, learn how to wrap up when they tackle. So we'll get to that. That's the American, the new look American as three of the big boys are now in the big 12 and conference USA has invaded it. And of course, uh, Tulane, the, the defending champs are the favorite at plus 215 at Bet Rivers SMU. Second choice at plus 275. Little bit of consideration. You guys want to add seven to one on Florida Atlantic plus 700 worth a uh, consideration. Maybe. Yes. Yes, I would. And uh, I, and I go back, not as much Texas, but at Houston, the immediate turnaround that, that Tom Herman made. Right. And I love the fact Casey Thompson's in here. I think they could be the surprise team in the uh, in the American for sure. Paul, anything else? No, I mean, I concur with Bruce. I think Florida Atlantic is, is the most one of the most intriguing teams in college football and, and certainly in this conference race. They could they could be a wild card. And in a year uh, when, you know, a lot of teams have an opportunity, Tom Herman might work his magic again in year one there in Boca Raton. Our college football previews, not just picks, angles, uh, information to try and help shape your handicapping as well. For Bruce Marshall, CBS Sportsline, VegasInsider.com. Paul Stone at Paul Stone Sports. Check him out at Circa's Big uh, Bet Bash uh, coming up uh, in uh, in uh, over the weekend, and so uh, you can check him out over that over there in Las Vegas. I'm Jimmy Ott here on the Sports Betters Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network.